Jimmy, welcome to the show. It's exciting to have you on. You know, cybersecurity and serial entrepreneur, that in itself lends itself open to a, a big, you know, big discussion. So uh, I, as I, you go through your background, you've got this amazing background of, of technology and security and some stuff that people don't even know that you, you know, and uh, I think it's going to be kind of fun to get into that. So welcome to the show, bud. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. You know, you're out on the West Coast uh, where I feel like technology is just always booming and uh, we get a lot of our, you know, our first uh, first markets out there. And, you know, you've, you've worked for some very interesting companies. Maybe take the audience through a little bit of your history and how do you get to, uh, how do you get to this point? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I started my career at Boeing, had some great mentorship, great leaders, great coaching. I spent nine years there, worked up the ranks, you know, earned my way into the room, into the seat at the table to, to talk and, and be heard and, and contribute. Um, I, when I left there, I managed the R&D portfolio for the Boeing Commercial Airlines fleet. A young guy, just really strongly empowered, great leadership. Left there, went into Microsoft, did some really deep um, cyber cybersecurity work around attack surface analysis, binary analysis, basically making sure that things that people installed onto the Windows platform, you know, didn't cause harm to the platform. Again, great leadership, great management, great coaching, great mentorship. Left there, went to Facebook for nine years. Again, amazing leadership, a lot of empowerment, which meant a lot of cycles in the engineering space. Did a lot of innovation work and security. Most most of the varied sets of security from physical to cyber, to informational, to data privacy. Um, worked with a lot of really, really smart people over the years. And then I kind of left, you know, taking a extended sabbatical, if you will, serving as a CTO for a nonprofit. Um, sitting on a couple of nonprofit boards, as well as advisory boards, working with startups, founders, small businesses, really just kind of getting more uh, back to my roots. You know, I grew up in small business with my mom being in real estate for many, many years. And, you know, I kind of survived in the big enterprise, right? But sometimes you can kind of get out of touch with the large set of America that actually is, is run by small businesses. So I wanted to get back in touch with those small, small business roots and reapply what I learned on enterprises down to smaller organizations. That's awesome. You, you know, um, to work for some of those companies and be in that cyberspace, that cybersecurity space, you know, it's interesting, right? To, to see under the TPs of some of the world's largest organizations and the amount of technology, the amount of information they have on uh, on, on, on you as a, as a, as a customer, but also as, as the employees that work for those companies, the amount of data and stuff that happens all, all throughout those organizations, I think always surprises me, uh, back there. Yeah. I, like, I, I kind of want to be part of the inside knowledge of, of how it all that stuff happens. And, uh, you got to be part of that. that that'd be pretty fun. You know, it's a blast. I, I will tell you though, that um, I don't know if it was Spider-Man, I don't want to get this quote wrong, but with great power comes great responsibility. That was that was something that was just ingrained into us at, at Meta, you know, Facebook. Uh, Microsoft even more so. Now, Microsoft was an older organization, and so was Boeing, right? So they kind of went through those those rounds of the, the court cases and the lawsuits, right? Um, but for the most part, they actually have a genuine interest in trying to protect that data. Now, that said, you have insider threats, and you also have people who make big mistakes. And the more people you have working on code, building stuff, innovating, the more likely at some point they're going to make mistakes. 
And, you know, I will also say that this is an evolutionary period for humankind, for mankind, for people on, on Earth, right? So we're building faster than we may be realizing what the impacts of what we're building, are building really are. And that's a lot of the work that I do now with small businesses is trying to help them understand, hey, you know, what you had was amazing 20 years ago, right? Now, now we need you to evolve, not transform. We can talk about that later. We need you to evolve in a current state and get you on the right platform. You know, it, it's uh, it's it's tough to evolve, right? As we continue to uh, evolve and transform and go through all those steps as as companies, as innovators, uh, you know, it, and it's hard to keep up with knowing, right? I mean, we talk about all the time the cybersecurity, and uh, you know, the worry is that we go so fast that we overlook a big vulnerable spot, and now it's too late to go backwards, right? Uh, to go through these places where we can really, really understand, you know, we're, we're doing some good, but then also just make sure that we don't go so fast that somewhere along the way, we're like, oops, that's going to hurt all of us, right? That's going to hurt. And uh, we give away too much data or we give up, we're, we're too embedded. Someone knows too much about me. Someplace where that can become a manipulation. I think ultimately that's where we're all worried about, right? Is, is that somewhere along the way, I will be at a disadvantage that they'll know more about me than I know about myself. And that whole piece will have me feel or be able to be hackable, right? That all of a sudden the human becomes the most hackable. And you think, so no way I've got free will. I'm, I'm not, you can't hack me, but truth is I'm, I'm just a bunch of reactions to my past, the things I've learned. And once the computer system can start to see that and collect that and never forget it, Right? Could that somewhere in the future become something that is used against me in a way that I did not ever expect? It's interesting as I hear as I hear that, and I, I I do agree. I don't know how different it is though than than the world before. I, I'll say this: it's like you're only really as vulnerable as you allow yourself to be in most cases. There are a few cases when you're dealing with specifically with the medical industry, you have no control. Over, over the systems that they're taking your, your data into, how they manage that, how they protect that, if and if they do not share that. That's just, the medical industry is hard. You can't go into your doctor's office and say, hey, I need you to turn off that computer and break out your tablet, and I need you to actually physically write some information down. That said, we as the consumers have a strong vote and a lot of the technology that we elect to use. And I think that as humankind, we're just, recalibrating our instincts. Like, for example, most of the Western world lives with a home or, or, or place that they live in, those that have a space to call home that's not outside, with a roof on top of it, right? Because we learned and our instincts say, okay, we sit out some protection from the elements. I don't know how many millions and thousands of years, because I'm not an anthropologist, to typically get there, but we have some instincts. So when you go to, when you're home shopping, for those that, that are, are in a position that that's an option, they're not going to go and buy a home and the bank is not going to fund a home that doesn't have a roof on it. And even if it does have a roof, you can start looking at it and you have some instinctual kind of reaction on, hey, somebody should check that out. I should dig deeper. I should get a home inspection. I should make sure I want to see what the warranties left on that roof because you have instincts based upon what you've learned from, right? We as humankind needs to evolve to that point that when we start looking at, do I, my children, my family, or anything that's connected to me, do I want to actually put my data into that system, that product or that service? 
hey, I should have an instinctual reaction. Maybe I should dig a little deeper. What's your privacy policy? What's your security policy? How are you going to protect me and my data? And what happens if you're wrong? What happens if you make a mistake? We're not asking those questions yet. Well, I, I'm with you, but you know, I five times a day accept cookies that I've never read anything about, right? I, I log on a new website. They've got some cookie thing. I'm like, click yes. I've, I've never read one of them. And I, every time Apple sends me an update, I'm like, hmm. I should I read these 47 pages of, of, of stuff in here? And you get through the first couple of pages and you're like, uh, okay, accept. And it, you know, the problem is what's happening in the future was there's so much information coming at us that in that it'll be hard, it gets harder and harder to discern or review or to stay on top of it, right? You know, it's at some point the the algorithm, the data, it will be so immense that I won't be able to, I, I won't be able to discern if, if, you know, what it's doing with it. In fact, what it's doing with it won't make sense to me, right? You know, it'll be some sort of algorithm that knows me so much better than I know myself. And, and when I say that, you're like, well, how could they possibly know you better than I know myself? The thing is, it's got a collective, it, it collects history and data collection over time is the, it, you know, the house always wins, right? The data collector, the data collection over a long period of time ends up having something, especially if it's usable in a way where, uh, you know, artificial intelligence will be able to, uh, to look, to look, to look, you know, use that data source in a way that I could even imagine it was, or it can review stuff faster than I could. All, my entire history of life can be reviewed in, you know, a nanosecond. And all of a sudden, I don't even know what's happening because it's hacking me and I don't know that I'm being hacked. Right. I, I, you know, yeah, I, you, have a, you have a strong point. I, I guess the way that I see it is, you know, just grocery stores have tons and tons of products. And I don't know about you, but I, I really don't stop and read the labels and go home and research each individual product because, um, and, and I don't want to get it, you know, we won't, of course, get to the argument here about big government versus small government, what's the role of government, but this is the role of what we call standards, right? Right. And so instead of having to be an expert on what's underneath that standard in regards to food, the same, same conversation for technology, we have to get smart enough about that standard. And which, what, what personal standards do we have? What personal expectations do we have on these standards? And if I can align with a standard that says, okay, it's actually vegan or it's sustainably engineered or sustainably grown. Or I don't want, I want to get away from GMO, non-GMO, but it's not good enough to just say non-GMO. It has to be, you know, certified. And, and do I agree with that, that body that's certifying it? Because generally the government has sometimes came in and said, okay, there shall be a standard and everybody's going to do business in the U.S. As, you know, for those that are in the U.S. must adhere to the standard and those same standards resist elsewhere in the world. And so... As we're as you're talking, pointing on this technology and the growth of technology and what they could do in the future, which is absolutely a serious concern because there's a string a lot that they can do with that data and a lot they can predict with, and a lot of data also puts them in a position where they can actually persuade or even guess where you're going to go before you may intrinsically know. But we should start to look into and ask our our politicians worldwide as where it may be to start to enforce, build, and hold these makers and, and people who are providing these products and services to a standard. 
and enforce that standard so that they can protect us so that you and I don't have to become extreme experts on every EULA and every privacy policy. But one of my favorite things to do is actually turn off cookies and see how, how the websites perform. Now it's 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 funny how uh, uh, these will all come into play, right? You know, as as we evolve, some of the stuff will 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 level itself off. You know, to let your point, the the spot where I, I just I can't check every label on everything, but I'm just hoping that if it's in that grocery store, it's safe, right? It, it's it's past some standard somewhere enough that uh, I'm I'm not the first guinea pig to try try the food out. But you know, it's on that point though. I think the, and we're not going to say it because we don't want to, you know, call anything out specifically, but we both know there are many things in those grocery stores that are actually not safe. And I think that's the, the very same deal with technology, but it's worse. But for, for you and I, that's one thing. What I, where I get the, the most concerned about is our children and the decisions that we're making for them and maybe our older parents or older members of society. The, the decisions we make for them in these regards that they can't vote on, but specifically the children that that are going to have 10 years worse. I don't know about you and I, but 10 years ago, it wasn't nearly as, as scary as where we are now. I can't imagine where it's going to be 10 years later from this point and what my son's going to have to deal with and what good or bad decisions I made in regards to his privacy that he's going to have to be faced with that he didn't even decide. Well, and it, it, let's believe, I mean, at some point, are, are are we accountable for the decisions we made for our kids' security? Are we accountable for the decisions we made for their health care? You know, if, if we, you know, help a child it, it, at some point, uh, there's lots of interesting conversations around uh, you know, the decisions I make as a parent. And later on, as a, as a child, when they come back and they confront me as an adult and go, what was that about? Right. Or, or uh, why did you make that decision for me? And um yeah, I think most most parents don't try to do that. Most most of us are always trying to do, figure out what we think the best is for for a child. But you know, look, one day some kids going to come back at me and go, "You were trying to teach me to be an entrepreneur. How rotten of you!" I'm like, I don't know. I, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was trying to teach you to be self sustaining, <laughs> right? But but somewhere in the future, that that will be greed laden or something. You know, be some sort of complaint around that. You know, so. I, I don't know that I could ever figure out all the things that that are, are going to bug people in the future. But, you know, as you start to look at security and the companies that you, you've worked with and the systems that you've worked on, uh, what what are some things that you notice uh, the trends are? And, you know, me as a consumer, what, what, what do I do to protect myself? Oh, great questions. Great questions, right? I think, you know, some of the... One of I'll go from a society into a personal. Unless you want to start with the personal and then go to to the bigger picture. But bigger picture, um, most people do not know that when you walk into most malls, um, and those that aren't using the mall, so a lot of them have apps you can choose to share your data with that app, so they can understand your location and lead you directly to a, a specific store. But when you do that, when you pass by, when you stop, let's say you just stop and look in the window, they now have data on you and said, hey, there might be something over there that you might be interested in. And to your point, you probably signed off on some privacy policy or some user agreement that allows them to share data of anonymized or, or unanonymized data about you, but they can then send over to the ad company 
So then you go home, you're not doing anything else. You kind of went to the mall, bought what you wanted to buy, and you're starting to scroll through social media. You're starting to scroll through your news feeds. You're starting to scroll through those that bought the same ads that the mall sold information about you for. And you're starting to say, hey, you know what? I just saw that shirt at the mall, you know, about 15 minutes ago. It's interesting how that popped up now. No, that's not interesting. That's your data at work. Um, there's also data uh, uh, tools around um, videos and video tracing. And so the technology is getting so good now, you don't have to opt in and they don't have to get your facial recognition, you know, measurements between the eyes and a few more measurements around your face to recognize who you were and where you are. We all have what I would call a digital fingerprint, a generally a, a unique set of technology radio radio signals that are emitting from us and a lot of places specifically public spaces specifically in retail how now have the capacity to identify a unique set of signals and follow those signals and understand everywhere that you went in some countries now they're starting to get you know to this facial recognition it, it works great it's amazing yes it is but then it's starting to get, get more towards social scoring and official social scoring. Well, in the United States, a lot of times you might go in places or you're, you're going in and it says, hey, video recording in progress, post it. We're taking your video, right? And this is where international and national legislations and regulations start to come into play on what can they do with that data? But if there's no regulation, then why can't they understand exactly where you stopped what you looked at and how to sell that information so that somebody else can buy information about you to sell to you. That's just, you know, one example. Now, what can we do to protect ourselves? Typically, most people, that's not their major concern. Their major concern is more about how can you do harm to me or do harm to my assets or do harm to the people that I care about. And a lot of that is your identity and your banking information. One of the easiest ways to protect yourself is to turn on two-factor auth, two-factor authentication, which means I know it is a pain, but you at least have to text me a number or send me some sort of a code. I'm going to work with some other app on my phone or my tablet or my computer that gives a second step for me to confirm I am who I said I am. If you haven't done that and you're using iPhone on iOS, do it now. If you haven't done that on your bank accounts, do it now. If you haven't done that on Android, do it now. One of the easiest ways that they pick off people's funds and people's identities is not only through credit card information and websites. Um, the second thing you should do is never click on an email that looks funny, you don't know where it's coming from, or you never asked for. They've been dropping spam emails in my inbox now that almost looks exactly like PayPal. You go start inspecting the the email addresses, it looks exactly like it came from them, but I never asked for them. So I, I get this email that says, hey, you know, you need to click this link. If something's wrong, you need to start to call us. You need to, you need to reach out. You need to do this or that or the other. They're getting good. They're getting, I mean, they're, they're, they're so good. I mean, I, I got one the other day. Uh, we're shopping for you. I, I, it looked like something my wife was buying. We're, we're shopping. We're out of this. Which one do you want? You want this one or this one? I'm like, it was a Costco thing. They knew I was a member of Costco. And I got this, you know, it, so it took me to link. It looked like it looked like I was logging into Costco and it was about to ask. And I'm like, uh, oh, this this is odd. I'm not sure this is Costco. 
right? It was it was that it looked like I was logging into a Costco, and uh, I'm like, man, you gotta be careful. Some of these are really crazy. They're how, how good these fishing expeditions are going on are. You know, I tell you what, you know, exactly in that scenario, what I typically do is just get out of email, go to a brand new web browser, and go to Costco and log in and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Don't try to avoid following links as much as possible. It's it's getting so good now. When somebody gives me a discount code, I just copy and paste the code and go into a separate browser, go to the website, and try the code that way. But you know, try to avoid following links. But the hardest part isn't us. It's your children. It's the older members of society. And so we have to encourage them. Now we're trying to train my son before you click on anything on your tablet that pops up, ask us first and trying to educate him and parents the same way. Whenever they get this weird link or email, they call you first. And I think so. I think that one of the best ways you can protect yourself is I hate to use the terminology, but uh, it makes the most sense to the most amount of people. Find a nerd in your family or your community and ask them the questions. Go to different websites, look, watch podcasts like these and educate yourself. That's the best way to protect yourself. That's great. You know, the um, uh, changing passwords, you know, the, the problem I keep having, I, I keep changing these passwords. And the, the problem is I can't remember which which password I'm on. Is it the password I just did or the last password I just did? I, I lock myself out of more password stuff than anybody else does. Any tricks or trade for uh, how to handle passwords? You know, iOS 16 just came out with a new feature in Safari. And I'm not going to say one browser is better than the other, but I'm on iOS. So I've kind of bought into Safari. Um, they have this new extensions capability, just like the Safari browser on your desktop, that allow you to add a password manager. And okay. iOS has a built in password manager, but I have a not platform specific meaning a, a password manager that works just fine on windows apple android and other or platforms and so you can use a password manager and now i'm getting a lot more comfortable using this random password that i can never memorize and allowing the password managers to do work for me and, and so that you can have a different password in different places now we're not going to go for the cybersecurity experts down this whole password theory argument around one good password is better than a thousand that you can't remember, but using a password manager in general is, is a good best next step. I, uh, Jimmy, I, I get, uh, I get very, very frustrated. I feel like I'm the only one who gets locked out of my, out of anything. It's me, right? It's never, it's never the, uh, uh, it's the bad guy. The bad guys have some way of, they, they, they can break in anything. It's, it's always, it's always stuff that I'm working on, you know? So as we look at security and where they're going in the future, right? I mean, you've been on those teams with the security teams. How do you stay, you know, what do you, what are you doing to stay, keep up to the latest and greatest, uh, keep, you know, keep well-informed, uh, you know, where, where, where does the consumer go to do that? I think the best way is to sign up to, you know, um, podcasts like these. It's to um, sign up if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on social media, if you're on Twitter. There's a lot of information that can get pushed to you about what's what's going on in the latest what's the latest attacks that are happening. Um, to this day, guerrilla uh, what do they call guerrilla uh, media coverage? The, the way that the uh, media, uh, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, ABC, um, the rest of them, uh, they have people everywhere. And generally, as soon as something happens, it's going to hit the the news and it's going to be out there. And so. 
um, signing up to your news app and going and clicking on cybersecurity, um, signing up for keywords that you wanted to search for, like hat or preventative security measures, um, and allowing technology to work for you. It'll it'll start to push things to you. It'll start to say, hey, you know, this new update's out there, install it now. Um, and you won't have to wait to to see it on the next morning show or the late night show where they're giving you cautionary tales. But reading and educating yourself. I, I used this example a couple uh, last week when I tried to explain cybersecurity to somebody. And I said, hey, here's the deal. Years ago, we all had safe neighborhoods where we didn't put locking deadbolts and locks on our front doors. In our back doors, it was it was to the point where in some places in, in, in the world it's still that way. Uh, and let me know because I, I want to come visit and maybe buy some property there. But in, in most places in the U.S. specifically on the West Coast, it's generally advised to lock your doors. Well, they had to make locks a lot easier to understand, and so they did a lot of works. And now, generally, the average person that has a little bit of you know determination can go to load or Home Depot or. To, Ace or a neighborhood hardware store and buy a lock and install it on the front door or the back door. Or worst case, they can get a locksmith, but they can look it up online and find enough information to feel like they can have an educated conversation on locks. Well, cybersecurity is, is quickly going down that, that path with the Biden administration pushing out a number of executive orders, giving a lot of guidance and holding a lot of companies accountable to do better the information and the knowledge of how to understand the basics of cybersecurity is going to soon become as open and as easily to access as it is putting a lock on your front door. You know, I have uh, gone through these security checks. We do these random, uh, we do training. We have this whole thing and, you know, trying to go through this, it, it takes some practice. You, you've got to stay coherent. You've got to stay, uh, you know, advised. You got to, you got to stay on that leading edge or, it's really easy to f fall back into the to the efforts and start to not, not worry about it. And all of a sudden you're now so far behind that the catch up will never happen. You know, so it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, Jimmy, I, I love having you on the show. You know, you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to security as every time you come on, there's a, there's some great knowledge that we gain about it. So kind of go back through again. So you think top, top security checks for, for everybody or what not following links, not following links. You know, updating your passwords, making sure you use a password manager, putting a secondary authentication method on all of your sensitive data, whether it be your medical, your your financial, your personal data, um, setting up alerts that when something changes, you're notified. So one of the best things you could do when it comes to your finances is set up that two-pack off on your bank accounts. A bank transfer can't happen without it. You can't log in without it. And you have a ton of alerts set up that if anybody tries to make a transfer, set up a, a new wire transfer uh, entity or any of that, you're notified, but also to ensure that your email is protected and that you have secondary authentication of your email. Because the two places that they're going to generally attack you is generally is your identity and your money. And the only way that they can generally get to the money is something generally would come through your email or text or they would try to intercept that. So you want to make sure that they can't have easy access to your email or your phone. That's awesome. Jimmy, I, I, as always, thank you very much for being on the show. I am cybersecurity is something that's at the top of my mind all the time. Uh, getting hacked. We've been there. It's cost us thousands of dollars as a company to go back through that stuff. It's, it's amazing uh, how expensive it is. Not just now we practice, you know, uh, we, 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 you know, we practice safely. 
And uh, that takes, it's not an easy task to go through. So I appreciate having you on the show and, and uh, it's, it's great having your, your knowledge on here. And anytime when you come back on again, please let me know. I'd be, I'd be glad, glad to, uh, I'll be glad to have you on again. And if you want to get a hold of you, Jimmy, what's the, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I say LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, I could easily triage that, respond, interact. I don't happen to be on social media right now since I, I left Meta. I wanted a, a break. So LinkedIn is the best way to get a hold of me. Great. Well, Jimmy, thanks a lot. Uh, audience, as always, if you're if you like this interview, please take a second, like, subscribe right now. Please do that now. Uh, it makes the world a difference to Jimmy and I and, and, and what we do out here and just the feedback uh, is great. And lo I love talking to each and every one of you guys. Thanks for, uh, Jimmy, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me.